Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Tabbing Up podcast with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Um, I'll be honest, it feels ridiculously early to be doing this. It's like nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, which is completely out of kilter what we usually do. I've been up hours, mate, waiting for it. Prepared, ready, waiting for you, texting you, where the fuck are you? What are you, what are you doing? And then you said, uh, oh yeah, I've, I've just brushed my teeth and get ready about half an hour ago. So I don't know how long you fucking clean your teeth for. I've got to make sure that they're sparkling, haven't I? I've got like you, a sonic you, toothbrush, sir. I was going to say, when you've got a, a thousand pound toothbrush, then you probably <laughs> want to make sure you get use, make use of it, don't you? Um, we'll get straight into it then. Um, in terms of this week, might be a little bit, a bit of a shorter one. There's not really much has happened, and the majority of stuff that's happening football-wise, obviously it's end of the season, it's all transfers, or it's, in Leeds' case, just depressing shit. So we'll we'll try and skip over that as quickly as possible. Uh, start with MMA. Um, McGregor being called out. By Jake Paul, yeah, if he wants to get his fucking face flattened in. Um, yeah, I, I, it's this attention-seeking bullshit again, isn't it? I mean... They're never going to fight. Dana's never going to let... Well, I mean, Dana could... You, saying that, Dana could let put it together a bit like he did with Mayweather. And I get the feeling that if there's anyone, there's probably Dana might well be top of the list that would want to see Jake Paul get his face caved in. So there's probably a, a slim possibility that that could happen. But just seems to me Jake Paul's a bit quiet. I had nothing to talk about for a while. Felt like I needed to talk some shit, get a bit of attention. Um Nothing more than that, really, in my opinion. We were on this um, his brother's podcast thing, and it, and it's is it impulsive, they call it, and he, he just basically turned around and said, "I'm going to beat the fuck out, or I would beat the fuck out of you, Connor." And I think his exact words over. were, "I'll fucking fuck him up," but um, <laughs> mate, I'd literally rather stick forks in my eyes than watch those two clowns ever on a podcast. So I don't ever plan on ever watching impulsive impulsive whatever the fuck it's called but yeah not high on my list of podcasts to listen to would you watch a mcgregor jake paul boxing match yeah because connor would beat the fuck out of him if if he loses to a youtuber uh sorry a uh who who did he lose to uh an instagrammer in in terms of uh fury connor would beat the living shit out of him so uh as much as I, I'm done with this influent boxing and, and that bullshit, I would definitely tune in for that as a Connor fan and to watch Connor beat the shit out of him. I mean, it, it just feels, and well, we're probably covering old ground here. It feels as though we're at the point and the certain age where you can say whatever you want to say on social media, on podcasts. I mean, we we do it every week and we get away with it. Um, and there's just no backlash whatsoever, unless you say something that's, homophobic, something that's sexist, something that um, irks a certain religion, for example. As long as you stay out of those sort of lines, we could sit here saying, you know what, Nate Diaz, I'd choke him out easily. Well, I tell you what, put me in a ring with fucking Jake Paul at a jiu-jitsu match, I'd definitely choke that fucker out. And I'm not even joking, I'm not just saying shit, I could easily take that motherfucker. But um, I did see, I I didn't listen to it, I've got to be honest, because it looked like it was a recording but I do think, if I'm not mistaken, Connor did respond to Jake Paul. I think he put a, I saw something on Twitter that looked like he'd recorded something. I didn't listen to it, but it would probably be very much Connor-esque of shut the fuck up, I'll beat the fuck out of you. But uh, I do think Connor did respond 
but I can't tell you what he said. Well, he's been in um, public eye, as per usual with McGregor, but been in the public eye quite a lot this week. Obviously, uh, Ultimate Fighter finally got released, and we'll cover that in, in just a second. But there's been like a little spat with, I don't know if you know who the true Geordie is. Um, I, I didn't see it, but for some reason I saw it trending on Twitter. So I got the feeling that something had happened. But I do know who that fat, bold prick is, uh, who somehow seems to have made his way into the mainstream as uh, alternative MMA boxing commentator. And He's a YouTuber, uh, in all honesty. That's pretty much what he's been famous for. There's a, a group of people around that ilk who basically just talk nonsense and make jokes and stuff like that, and he's branched out a little bit. Um, loads of stuff got leaked about it. I won't go into it because for obvious reasons. But oh, I got, loads of... he got, it wasn't he the one that got leaked about sending ropey text to birds? Yeah, very, yeah. very ropey text. Um, so they all leaked, and loads of stuff happened with that. And uh, Andrew Tate... Came oh. out and said loads of stuff about him. We haven't heard him for him a while, have we? Um, Jesus Christ, if there's two more hated people in the world than those two fuckers. <laughs> but I, I, I'm telling you now, I mean, I've never listened to that Geordie stuff, uh, Geordie guy. I could be talking about out of my ass because he does seem to weirdly sometimes make comments like in um, not necessarily the genuine uh, UFC promotions, but a lot of these fan promotions, comments he makes on that. I'll tell you now, me and you hands down know more than that twat about MMA. I would put my knowledge and my um, knowledge of the sport and what I know up against him any day of the week. We have covered him before because he had uh, an interview with Tyson Fury, which Tyson Fury, I don't oh, know why right. he would ever, yeah, I don't know why he'd ever agreed to that interview in the first place, but he kind of flipped out. He got all stroppy with him, didn't he? Yeah, exactly that. So. He seems to know how to wind people up. And I suppose, again, in this modern day, the more you wind people up, the more publicity you get. And just on that as well, it's completely separate. And I suppose it's more football oriented than anything else. I don't know. And I'm going to sound exactly like you here. And it upsets me that that's the case. But I don't know where society changed in that it's now clever and will get you popular with your mates to make up these in-the-know Twitter accounts for things like football or... I mean, you get caught by them all the time on MMA where it's like, oh, this fight's been made, McGregor is about to fight such and such, and then you'll send me in through and like, oh, have you seen this? I'm like, yeah, it's fake. There's so many different ones of these and it is getting right on my tit. Someone, I, I told you this morning, someone made up uh, a lead rumour that Leeds were after two quite good players um, and that they'd heard it on Talk Sport. And you look through the comments and there's like four or five different accounts who are enabling it, who are like, oh, I, I heard this as well. I heard this on TalkSpot. And you go, well, you didn't because it wasn't on TalkSpot and it never was on TalkSpot and they haven't even covered leads last night. And I don't, what what do you get from it? It's like, ah, I've tricked a fan base. All oh, right, yeah. Attention, well attention. People are attention whores these days. They just, everybody wants clicks. They want likes. It's It's a sad uh damning of society really but yeah I, I i i can't deny that i'm not as astute shall we say on social media as you that i read something i definitely don't take it at face value but i'm it's more i get suckered in if it's a good rumor 
So so and so is fighting so and so, and I'm like, right, that sounds a fucking good fight. Send it to you, and you're like, have you looked at the guy that's tweeted it? He's got one follower, and it's like really big China seven one three four. And I'm like, ah, okay, yeah, I got done there. So yeah, I I should do more diligence and learn my lesson. But yeah, I can't deny. I'm more about. I, I just like the the rumours itself, as you say, when it, particularly at, at football, uh, I'll be honest, as much as I love football, I don't really follow many footballers or Twitter accounts to do with football. It's more MMA for me and it's more, it's the matchmaking for me. Uh, I'm I'm all about the fights. So if I get suckered into Connor's fight in Francis Ngannou for a new belt of the baddest and biggest motherfucker in the world, I'm like, yes, I want to fucking see that. So I do get, I, I can't deny I get suckered, but you usually uh, are my um, element of truth and set me straight on when I'm being a moron. Going to some proper news then and less time spent talking about like Coutinho season on Twitter, the better. Um, Clarissa Shields looks like she is going to venture back into MMA once again. When you say that, back, has she fought in MMA before? She has indeed. She uh, made a debut in MMA, both in the PFL, um, which I appreciate is what we're going to end up talking about here. But um, 2021, she got a, a come-from-behind knockout over Brittany Elkin in a debut and then lost a split decision to Abigail Montez. Good knowledge. I wasn't aware of that. I saw that she was in talks with the PFL Um I thought that was for a debut. So I've got to be honest, I didn't know that one. Good knowledge. But um, she's the type of person, of course, if, if someone's going to stand and bang with her and the right matchmaking, so they put her with the striker, she's going to put them to sleep because she's a world-class boxer. But equally, they're the ones where I feel people, we keep talking and back to the same point, what we talk about, there's there's consequences to your actions. You stick her, I appreciate this is the UFC, so it's a silly example, stick her against Mackenzie Dern. That bit, she gets choked out in less than 10 seconds. Easy. Yeah. So, um, interested to see. I like it when people cross over. Uh, maybe she's been training harder than I give her credit for. But, um, yeah, I thought that was newsworthy. But it's not clearly as newsworthy as I thought because she's already fought in MMA. So, um, you've schooled me twice. Twice within <laughs> the first 10 minutes, you've made me look a mug. But uh, good knowledge there. No, I mean... It, it still is newsworthy because it's been a couple of years since she did it. Um, she is still a world champion. So there's a lot of rumours her Savannah Marshall are going to run it back. Uh, Savannah Marshall has been chirping up again. I still find that fight to be one of the most disappointing women's fights that I've ever watched because I thought Savannah Marshall would come out and try and take her head off. And she just never did. Um, pretty boring, pretty relaxed. But She's in the public eye again. Clarissa Shields is obviously one of the most well-known women's boxers in the world. So it'd be interesting to see. The one that I find slightly diff- uh, strange, if we call it that, is when you get that crossover of... So look at Connor. So use Connor as, a, as an analogy. Makes a you know biggest star in, in probably MMA history, certainly in the UFC. Makes a shit ton of money. Goes to boxing and makes 100 mil. I could be wrong. Again, I'm speaking out of my arse here, but I can't imagine... Clarissa Shields would make more money fighting with the PFL in MMA than she would in boxing. So they're the kind of ones where I'm kind of, I find it strange whether it is it the competitive challenge, does she want that? But I would be surprised if she would be making more money in MMA 
than she would in boxing because boxing tends to be the far higher payer of the two sports. So that that was one that I found strange in that situation. And I did wonder, was it more also a case of maybe Savannah Marshall was not so keen on the rematch or that rematch was going to be uh, a period in the future? So she needed to keep active and busy and thought, fuck it, I'll, I'll take an MMA fight. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I think that it, logically you would expect she'll make more money with the Marshall fight. It just depends if she's just a bit bored. Um, in all honesty, I suppose you get bored of winning. Um, obviously, I experienced that in my Monday life. It's just constant winning every single day. I'm basically Charlie Sheen at this point. Um, but... Yeah, it, it Smashing might be drugs and prostitutes. <laughs> Seven gram rocks. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'd like to see the Savannah Marshall rematch if Savannah Marshall comes out and bangs properly this time. But if not, it'd be interesting to see her back in the PFL. Um, Blades and, um, correct me if my pronunciation is wrong, uh, Almeria. Uh, that's is... his first name. It's Jailton. Almeida Jailton, I believe is her name. But um, is it? That is been announced for UFC. I believe they're calling it. The... It's weird. The UFC now they've changed from numbered events. You've got fight nights, which don't seem to have numbers anymore and seem to have locations. This one is now referred to as UFC Santos uh, in Brazil. So there seem to be adding extra levels of the, the the events, if you like. So it's not a numbered event, but it's better than a fight card. But that's been announced in November. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen Jayotun fight much, have you? I feel like I've got I've got to go back and, and just... Are you sure that that's his, his first, his second aim? Because I'm sure um, it's the other way around. Uh, I'm not sure, but everyone refers to him as Jayotun, but you might be right. Uh, I'll let you off again. Number Is that three, the third time. Cool. The hat trick. Give yourself a hat trick, Charlie. Stop Sheen. doing that. Stop doing these in early morning because clearly you're not with it. Um, but he, he, I mean, he, that's a very, very dangerous fight. Blades again. I hate to use the term because I use it almost every week, but is the ultimate gatekeeper in the heavyweight division. Uh, beats most people under the top five, but loses. Um, Jail and looks like the real deal so far. I think he's four and zero. Oh. Um, He's a huge guy. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at some point if he got popped for steroids because he looks absolutely shredded. But he has insane jiu-jitsu skills. And he's one of those that the progression of him learning from jiu-jitsu to striking is very, very impressive. Uh, and I will go out on a limb here and say he, to me, looks like the future of the heavyweight division. He looks absolutely He gets you down you will get submitted. He, he is absolutely no joke, an, an elite level black belt, uh, and he just runs through people. So um, Blades is a good wrestler, obviously, so that provo- provo- uh, proves a bit of a problem in terms of can he take him down, but I think he takes him down pretty easily, and if he if he takes him down, he'll be submitted. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him, uh, Blade, sadly lose that one and get run through, but... They're building Jailton slowly. Blades is is is, is certainly his um, biggest test to date. But um, as I say, uh, he looks like the future of the heavyweight division to me. I've only seen one of his fights, um, and it was the last one, just because I think last month. Um, yeah, he sub he subbed someone out in less than the Rosenstrike. first round. I think. 
Yes, that's right. Um, Rosenstrike. But I mean, again, Rosenstrike is a striker. That was a, a t- that is the classic striker grappler matchup and was a terrible matchup for Rosenstrike to take because unless he's going to spark him out and he does have frightening power uh, as, as a kickboxer, um, yeah, he got subbed out very, very easily and tapped quite quickly as well. So that man has got a world class squeeze on him if it when it comes to um rear naked chokes uh and alike so but uh interesting to see that one but it's not until november yeah he's six and oh just having a check on his record here so been an interesting one for since we're calling people by the, the second name blades curtis uh to, to see what his matchup's going to be um there's a fight night tonight apparently i didn't have a clue until you told me earlier on yeah, flown under the radar a bit. It's not, uh, again, as you get with fight nights, it's kind of underpinned by, <clears throat> excuse me, one pretty good fight and um, one okay fight. The rest of them are pretty garbage. You've got the headliner is enough uh, a man that you are a fan of, which is uh, Kai Kara France, yeah. who is the number three flyweight in the world. Um fighting a uh, very good record this uh, very good fighter despite his record i didn't realize his record was quite as poor to be honest with you as it is which is 24 wins and 10 losses so um he um you know it, it on paper he's not ideal he's seven and three in the ufc however of those three losses two have come to the current flyweight champion brandon moreno so that shows you that probably a lot of those fights and losses maybe were early in his career, lower promotions, perhaps when he was still building his skills. Um, he's fighting a guy who, I've got to be honest, I didn't know a great deal about, if I'm perfectly honest, called Amir Abazi, who is the current number seven ranked uh, flyweight. Uh, he is 16-1 and one, uh, with his only loss outside of the UFC to a chap called Jose Torres. And he is four and zero in the UFC to date. So that tight that fight certainly has uh, title implications, given that the flyweight is probably the least deep uh, division in terms of challenges. So, I mean, it's going to be a, if Kai wins, it's going to be a hard fight to sell to get him another fight against Moreno when he's two 0 down for a trilogy. Um, Abazi looks, as I say, from I had a quick look at some of his highlights, pretty well rounded. Um, so the winner of that could certainly be moving forward, maybe one fight away from a title fight, I would think. Do you know what Cara France's nickname is? I do not. So apparently, it's Don't Blink. At what point are we allowed to just start putting random phrases as your nickname? See, I quite like that. I mean, the, the the implication there is, I'm going to knock you out that quick. That if you blink, you miss. You're going you're to miss the finish. I don't, I don't mind uh, a nickname like that. It's, it's uh, not a nickname, though, is it? That's like me saying Daryl, um, walking down the street. I'm like, all right, what? Um, I'm going to call you out. That's bullshit. It's not quite the same as that, <laughs> is it? Really? It's. Um, I mean, you can have like uh, Jailton, my man. Even though I'm going to get his name wrong again, he might be like uh, Jailton. Don't turn your back. That could be a <laughs> good nickname, nickname for him. Is it? Um, but his, uh, his nickname's Mah- Malhal. Oh Jesus, Malhadinio. 
Right, okay. So I, I don't know what that would mean, but I'm sure that would have some clever meaning in Brazil of something. Um, but yeah, yeah, pretty pretty good headline fight, as I say. Should should be interesting to see the least, as I say. Um that, that anchors the, the fight night. Um the co main event is um a grizzled veteran in Jim Miller fighting uh Jared Gordon. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you seem to be loving to do that. And on a roll this week, is Jared Gordon not the chap that lost the incredibly controversial decision to Paddy the Baddy? Uh, he was, I believe. Um, so that is the ago. co-main event. But Miller, just got to give him a shout out because uh, he continues to keep doing it. But he has a number of records that are worth mentioning he has the most fights in the UFC at 41, which is incredibly impressive in terms of longevity. He has the most wins in UFC history of 24, and he also has the most finishes in the lightweight division at 14. So the man has got some skills and continues to keep doing it. I think if he's not 40, he's certainly very close to it, but um, he's got some killer elbows. He's had two or three knockouts where he's done some very short elbows uh, and, and laid people out um, and he continues to keep keep going despite his age and, and defying father time. So um, I'm a big Jim Miller fan. I always like watching the, the veterans uh, of the sport that have been in it from the very start rather than have that slide off like a lot of people do, can continue to keep winning. So um, I definitely won't be staying up for that one. Um but I will definitely watch that one tomorrow. So just remind me of the the, the fight that you're going to watch and then. So it's Jim Miller versus who? Uh, Jared Gordon. I'm going to be a bit of a prick here. Um, just scratch it as number four. Uh, that's not going ahead, unfortunately. No. <laughs> How, what, someone missed weight? Or... No, Jared Gordon had a concussion. So he will not be proceeding. It is instead Jesse Butler, who is a, a debuting opponent. Uh, as in they swapped. So Jim Miller's still on the card, but Jim Miller's still on the card. Yeah, that's good. Because I was going to say that's that's that's. I always think that that's, that's the harshest for someone like Miller to then be taken off the card, not even get his show money, potentially not get his win money. That's harsh. But um, chalk that up as number four today. You're on a roll. <laughs> Where do we start with football? This week, Ian, um, I feel like the disaster of your club. And yeah. I know there's been a lot going on and the stadium and Radrizani. And I feel you're the man. I feel, I, you know, I'm not over to you. Tell me well, about yeah, it. I'm, I'm not I'm not going too much into this because I just I can't, to be quite honest, be asked. It, it seems like leads have had enough thrown at them in the last few weeks if not last couple of years and we just need to get a break but um this has all come out this this week that Rad Rizani had essentially offered Ellen Road a security for a 26 million pound loan so that he could buy Sampdoria which obviously he's is completing that um buyout of Sampdoria who funnily enough have also been relegated so he clearly loves a relegated team um, he, as I say, he reportedly offered to use it as collateral uh, to secure a £26 million bank loan, an agreement that was signed in principle 
had the stadium been or serving as security. So the Acer, which is his company, and the bidding partner, which I believe is Gestio Capital. Uh, but again, I, I might be wrong on that. Uh, so that they could borrow about £26 million. And the Athletic reported on it saying that the proposed bridging loan would need to be paid within two years and was subject to interest of provisionally between 6 and 9% per year. Uh, loan could be extended to up to 10 years, so it could be used as collateral for about a decade. Now, it doesn't seem that it advanced beyond the heads of term agreement, which is a positive, of course, but just the notion to to you tell a Leeds fan the notion of yeah you were offering your stadium to get another club and put it in simple terms your club anymore we're caring about this new club and I've thrown my old toy away to buy a new toy it is blasphemy essentially and I think there quite simply is no way back for Red Rosania at Leeds United and it, it looks obviously from what we've seen that the 49ers are going to complete the buyout in the coming days or coming weeks, if not days, uh, which is, is certainly a positive because I think Leeds as a, a club needs a fresh start after the relegation, after everything that's gone on recently. But just the idea that this is happening in the background, not just for Leeds, but that it can happen for any club. I get the argument of ultimately it's his because he owns it, he's paid for it. And while me and you will say Leeds and Liverpool are our club. We don't own any part of it, and it's not for us to do as we please with that club, unfortunately. But also on the flip side, this isn't like a normal business, like um, you know, being a shareholder in an old business or doing what you want with an old business. This is something that has a quite unique public attribute to it. So I feel like for anything like this to happen in football is a complete and utter disgrace. The only thing I would say, and uh, I could be wrong here, speaking out my arse and my own general knowledge of company acquisitions, uh, assets being utilised as collateral, things like that, is he may well have put that down as collateral in the first instance to be able to buy Sampdoria. But if the 49ers complete, it won't be able to be, can remain as collateral if he doesn't own Leeds because it's part of Leeds. So what you would expect to happen there would be that the 49ers would then buy out Radrizani and they would take over or buy out, take over the deal effectively to buy the stadium back or take the collateral off of that as a loan asset. So See, I think I think this is where it becomes more complex. And again, we won't waste too much time into it because we'd be having to look a, a little bit further into the details on it. But from what I believe, a separate entity owns Ellen Road. So I think Ellen Road Limited owns Ellen Road, which Rad Rosani is uh, the majority shareholder of. I think 49ers do own about 20% of that, or 22% roughly about that. So it's it's treated separately, isn't it? It's like you've got your Acer um, Ventures or whatever they're called, who own Leeds United, whatever it might be. Um, and then you've got Ellen Road Limited, which is obviously what's been dealt with in terms of the stadium. So it's all just the, the complexities behind it. And ultimately, it isn't going to matter, like you say, if 49ers say, hang on a minute, give us everything that you've got. Here's the money. Leave us alone. Fuck off to Sampdoria, which is what every Leeds thing wants at this point. But it, it's just that notion, as I say, the idea, 
uh, the very bare bones of it without going too much into it, that someone can use stadium of a club that they currently own that no that they no longer want to then go and potentially buy another club. At the very bare bones of it, it, it shouldn't happen in football. That seems just backwards. Uh, uh, again, I don't disagree with you, but I think you are getting... Uh, not that precious in that the 49ers, there is no way if they come in to buy it, are going to say, we'll buy the club. Oh, by the way, you can keep that side company that then still owns the business. It's going to be an all or nothing. If you, yeah. in, in an acquisition like that, they will buy every bit, even if there's a number of different companies in there. So as much as it's egregious, as much as I completely understand yours and all of Leeds uh, fans' frustrations with what an absolute piss take it is, as long as the 49ers complete, they will buy that company and take that back. So I, I, I the reality is it might be a short-term thing. I personally wouldn't get too bogged down and concerned with it. As long as the 49ers complete, they'll be taking that back and Rav Rizani will not have that ownership. They'll either buy his shares out and keep it as a separate entity or they'll just buy the company and fold it into their holding company that owns Leeds. So I hear you. I, I, I get the frustration. I hear that from Leeds. A lot of that, though, I think is also from Leeds fans, maybe. And this is no criticism of them being a lack of understanding of how these type of things have worked. Me and you are slightly more uh, knowledgeable in terms of these type of things, I would say. And I'll tell you now, if the 49ers complete, they will be taking that share back. They'll be buying that company. Leeds will have it back. So I, I, I wouldn't sweat it as long as the 49ers or somebody else complete the purchase. I mean, the other thing, and, and more looking on the positive outlook of it, is that if from the reports for what they said was that essentially the 49ers didn't have a clue that he was doing this and he was doing it sort of as his own accord and doing it behind people's backs. And people like Angus Kinnear apparently didn't know about it. Um, so CEO. Uh, but I think if anything, it should be a positive in that they'll say, look, if he's doing this dodgy stuff here, we need to get this completed ASAP, make sure that this is sorted so that we don't have to worry about anything going on in the background anymore. Um, and it might push them into doing things a little bit quicker. And then ultimately, once the ownership is sorted out, Leeds can then go on and, you know, get Steven Gerrard and Scott Parker as his manager and, but and go to that, League see One. See that again, not to, 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 to pick holes in it, but that, that in itself sounds suspicious to me because, again, we don't know the details, to be fair, of the percentage ownership of the company that owns Ellen Road. But if the majority of... Clearly, Raj Rizani has the majority... If uh, 49ers have any stake and voting rights within that company, there is no way that Rad Rizani would have been able to do that without at least telling them that that's happening. Now, he might have the voting rights to outvote them and say, tough shit, I'm going to do it anyway. But I think from them to say we had no idea that's happening, personally, I would say that's a lie. Because if they've got some kind of, even if it's a minority stake in the company... There are company resolutions. There are certain things that need to happen in order for something like that to happen. So that, again, sounds like maybe you've got suckered on Twitter reading some of this. But I would be shocked if the 49ers, if they do have some ownership in that company that owns the company, uh, owns Ellen Road, sorry, were completely unaware of it. 
Now, they might have objected to it. They might have said, no, we don't, we're not voting for that. And Rad Razani's like, I've got 51%, deal with it. But I would find that incredibly surprising that they would not know that that's happening if they've got some kind of shares in there. Don't forget, it didn't. It apparently, didn't go past the heads of term agreement. So, if they've just, if he's written something up legally and said this is something that we can offer, it hasn't ever actually been completed. So, it might just be as simple as, and it's still for me, it's still egregious and it's still a massive story. But it might literally be as simple as him turning around and saying, "I could offer you this if this would be beneficial." Not that anything ever got completed on it, and, and thankfully, it doesn't appear that way. But he wouldn't need technically and, and and legally in that sense, the permission to do that because nothing has been completed and nothing has actually formally been put in place. So, blunt question then. Why are you getting your knickers in such a fucking twist? If because it didn't do happen? It, 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 <laughs> it, it didn't happen, even, did it? But he shouldn't even have been considering it. it it's such a disgusting act. And it's it's a, the point is, it has completely soured the very remainder of whatever minuscule relationship Rad Rosani had with Leeds United fans to the point where he cannot possibly stay at this club. And hopefully it's the last that we have to speak about him. Other than obviously our next week's podcast, when hopefully I say Rad Rosani's gone and Leeds are on by the 49ers. Cause that would be only one final point I'll make then, but did he really have any remote, uh, you know, every Leeds fan hates him anyway. You say that, you know, that had been the final straw if you like that broke the camel's back in terms of the relationship he had with the fans was there that anyway i, I mean obviously it was, it was I get minuscule my, it, minuscule would be putting it politely i would say i would say every leeds fan you are obviously the major run of speech or the majority i've got a fair few leeds fans i know in leeds everybody can't stand him and the, the, the one that i find the craziest which you'd, you, you'd never think of he may well be hated more than Chilino and Bates. And let's be fair, they weren't exactly uh, 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 particularly well-liked by Leeds. But um, Definitely I, hated, I think on the scale of Chilino, certainly not Bates. I, I think if you ask the majority of Leeds fans, Ken Bates is still... There are people who have said that they'll go to his funeral just to dance on his grave and stuff like that, which, uh, again, not getting into that, but there are so many people that despise Ken Bates still at this point and for everything that he did for that, that or did to the club. I don't think, unless Radrazani turns around now, actually does sell the stadium and takes a shit on Billy Bremner's statue, I don't think he'll be anywhere near as hated as Bates. But it's, it's still hated, don't get me wrong. Fair enough. Well, it seems a good time, uh, time to move on. I mean, the, ne- the next few bits I've got are mainly some transfer speculation. And from doing a bit of reading this morning, uh, a bit like last time, a lot of my notes now seem potentially out of date. So uh, this is uh, uh, the first one I was going to start with is uh, Bayern Munich seem to be making a big play for Declan Rice. So they seem to be or were appearing to be the front runners. There was potential rumours that um, City are looking to get Kimmich, which would be a massive blow, I would say, for Bayern and an incredible coup uh, for City. Uh, And it will start a bit of a merry-go-round. However, this morning I read uh, on the BBC, again, not the most reliable source, that Arsenal have agreed personal terms with Declan Rice. So whether or not uh, they will be prepared to pay enough money for um, West Ham to say, yes, he can go, 
But that situation maybe seems to have changed. Question I've got for you, which would be um, that merry-go-round that it starts. Does your boy Calvin Phillips, particularly if Kimmich ends up at City, go to West Ham to replace Rice? Well, we thought, I know we've definitely discussed this, but we thought that Phillips would end up at West Ham anyway. Um, It seems like the correct move for him in the sense that He'll definitely play, certainly if, if Rice goes. Um, it's a lower table club, which seems weird because obviously they've got a European final to look forward to. Um, but it's it seems very logical. There were rumours that it were going to go to Newcastle, which I could also see. I think he likes living up north, which is the only detriment to going down to West Ham. Um, Obviously, there were rumours that he were on about staying and trying to fight for his place. He's never going to get in that team. He's absolutely never. Let's say they signed Kimmich, um, which I can't see personally for obvious reasons, but let's say they do sign Kimmich. You're saying you've got Kimmich, Rodri, and then Phillips. He's, he's got absolutely no chance of getting anywhere near that team. So I could definitely see him at West Ham, and I think it would be a better move for his career, especially with Gareth Southgate coming out quite recently and saying the likes of him and Maguire only have a certain amount of leeway of not being regular starters, but getting into the England squad. Correct. You know, I, I think, as you said, this is where uh, I love this part of the season, though, where you get that merry-go-round. So someone goes, they replace him with someone else. That then causes this, this you know, knock-on effect of everybody looking to replace somebody else and uh, pilfering the best players. But um, yeah, so that maybe, as you say, Slightly changed. Um, I still personally don't see Arsenal, despite how well they're doing, stumping up 100 mil for Declan Rice, if that's what they're asking for. Arsenal don't tend to go in for uh, players of that level. Maybe they can get him a little bit cheaper, um, but we'll keep an eye on that one. But that was what I read this morning, is that they have agreed personal terms with him. It's just popped into my head, and I'm going to air you out a little bit here um, just because I feel I have to because it's a comment that when you said it this week that it's just been stuck with um, would you sign Harry Kane if he was available no um, what did you say this week about who you would rather have in your team than Harry Kane at this moment in time uh, Harland no no obviously not um... the, the one that you've currently got uh, Cody Gakpo? No, the only striker that you've currently got. Uh, Darwin Nunes? Darwin. <laughs> I, I, I don't feel, I feel like you can explain, I don't, Harry Kane doesn't fit into the way that Liverpool play with the, the with the front three. Yes, he's a goal machine. Yes, I get all of that and what an incredible season he's had. I wouldn't pay the money that you'd need to pay for him at his age for a start. That would be, we again are not a Man City. We don't have that level of uh, uh, of money. You paid it for um, Nunes. Yeah, but he's 23, not 30. So you've oh, got shit. The, I think you're going to see a completely different Darwin Nunes next year and he will prove a lot of people wrong. But um, I, I just, I, it's, it's, a, it's a fit for system. I, I don't, it's not a, a knock on Harry Kane and most teams would, you know, for the scum, he would fit in perfectly. You could argue if City hadn't got Haaland, he would work the way that we play. He doesn't really press. He drops back and he he, he contributes to the build-up play. But 
I feel like he would be a fish out of water in the way that Klopp plays and what Klopp demands from somebody in that role. Look at Firmino. Excuse that. I know he's going very sad. Glad he scored in his last game. He was our... He led the press from the from the top. Harry Kane does not do that. And I just feel that he wouldn't fit into our team. And he would be one of those people that actually would be... A flop is the wrong word. But he would no way replicate the goal-scoring form he's doing for Tottenham or he would do somewhere else at Liverpool, in my opinion. So, question for you then. Harry Kane goes to Man United. Haaland obviously stays at City. Let's say no one comes in for him um, thinking more Madrid, which I don't think they will do. And you keep Nunes because no one wants him. Who scores more goals and in what order next season? It will be closer than you think, but it will go Haaland, Kane, Nunes. When you say closer than you think, it's not going to be closer than I think, is it? It's going to be quite clearly Haaland, Kane's going to be shortly following it, and then Nunes will get like 10 less. The only issue for Nunes really now is... It's scoring. That, uh, it, not scoring, because if you actually look at his stats, which are very <laughs> hard, he gets into far more positions than people give him credit for. He's just an incredibly erratic finisher. If he scored half of the chances that he got, he would be right up there with over 20 goals a season. If Bamford scored all the chances that he got, he'd be the top scorer of the Premier League last season. He'd have three goals if he scored all the chances (laughs) he got. I don't think so. The problem that you've got with Nunes now, and I feel slightly sorry for him in some ways, is obviously our purchase of Gakpo and the way that Gakpo's declined and seems to be groomed to be... Firmino's successor in the false nine and dropping back, Nunes is now probably going to get less opportunities. The one thing I would say is Nunes for Barcelona, um, sorry, for Benfica, did play a lot on the left-hand side of a three and caused problems there. And he's still coming back from injury, so I've got to cut him a bit of slack. But Diaz looks like a different player from his injury since the player that he was. Now, he's going to have a full pre-season. Hopefully, he pulls that back. But if he continues to be slightly disappointing, you could quite easily put Nunes on the left side of the front three and see what he does there. So, I'm not going to suggest he will score more goals than Kane or Haaland, but I would not be surprised if we, uh, this time next season, uh, I am being very smug to you and saying, oh, what's that? He's got 22 goals this season. It's a little bit more than you thought. So, just to check. Is 22 goals the benchmark? That's what we're going for. I see him scoring over 20 goals. I'm putting balls on the line. I'll, uh, and what we do is, we're, we're, seeing as you still owe me a tenner, because Forrest beat Leeds, we'll roll that over. I'll take a bet with you now. Nunes scores 20 goals next season. Well, I can't put a bet on about Leeds in Premier League, can I, next season? So, uh, yeah, it's the closest thing that'll get to some happiness. Um, would you have taken Benzema? Well, ironically, again, my notes... Out of date from what I uh, <laughs> from uh, from what I read this morning. So uh, it had been announced originally when I wrote my notes that he was to leave uh, Real. Um, <clears throat> I read this morning that he is due to sign a new one-year contract with Madrid. Indeed, well, that's what I read I, I, on BBC again. Whether that is true or not, but they read he was going to sign a new one-year contract and stay. So. Again, my notes might be out of uh, out of touch. Um, I feel like just as we're on the point, we've got to have a little bit of a chat about him. I mean, he is 
very underrated, obviously, World Player of the Year, uh, or came very close to this year, had one of his best seasons. He's an absolute legend at the club. He has 647 games for Real Madrid and 353 goals, which doesn't sound super impressive when you're looking at at that, but that's pretty much one in two. And the one thing I think that you've got to probably remember the most about that, for the vast majority of his career, he played second fiddle to Cristiano Ronaldo. He's really come into his own since Ronaldo's left. Um, I've got a couple of stats for you here. Uh, In the 21-22 season, 46 games, 44 goals. 18-19 season, 53 games, 30 goals. Uh, 21, uh, 2021 season, 46 games, 30 goals. And this year, 22, 23, 42 games, 30 goals. So he has been a goal machine. Uh, and as you say, you've also got a factor into that fact that he was hugely second fiddle to Ronaldo for, for much of that. He would have had an incredibly higher goal to game ratio, I'm sure had Ronaldo not been at the club for so long and been there full stop. Have you ever seen uh, Virat Kohli, the cricketer? Uh, Indian player. Yes, one of the, the best ever. Um, do you not think Benzema looks like him? Um, No, apart from a beard. Well, I think um, he looks quite silly. It looks, obviously, Kohli's a bit slimmer, but I, I've always thought they look like Benzema. Um... No, I, I, I can't remember Coley enough, if I'm honest, uh, to, to to comment really. But apart from a beard, um, no, I don't think from, like a, from my memory, thing. no. Sign him up front is a is a good striker of the ball. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. He's uh, obviously had a, a very good recent spell in the last few years. I could see him going to Al Etihad, uh, with the the linked club, and they were offering silly money. And I suppose at that stage of your career, why not? I, I, I guess it depends on whether you're weighing up your finances to your aspirations. But surely at that point in your career, you, you've done just about everything that you you want to do and you've won everything that you want to do in um, Europe. So I, I can see it. I can never begrudge someone who has done everything that they possibly can do at the highest possible level from then wanting a payday in the last few latter years. So even if it's like America, um, which I'd prefer to go to America as I feel like the lifestyle would be a bit better. But totally yeah, agree. And I mean, it. on that note, I mean, the Saudis are going all out at the moment, aren't they? Throwing probably not far off a billion pounds at players. So originally that was where before, if this is to be true, that the Benzema is going to stay. What I'd read, they'd offered him a 400 million for a two-year deal. I also read they have confirmed that Modric will be leaving Real £100 million over a three-year contract. And also, finally, the news also broke this week that um, the world's greatest ever player, Messi, will officially be leaving PSG and has been offered some ungodly sum that I haven't even got the details of in Saudi Arabia. A billion um, uh, it probably wouldn't surprise me if it was a billion. No, it is. Um, it actually is. Yeah, I'm not even being is that what it is? It. Yeah. Fucking how many years? Uh, I think it was something along the lines of three, but in the that sense that there was like an extra role for him. 
Um, uh, I, I personally can see him ended up in the MLS, if I was honest. They're, they're still going to pay him a, a massive chunk. And I still think there's a bit more of a competitive desire to Messi than a Ronaldo who's just a lazy piece of shit taking the money living in Saudi Arabia. But, um, I mean, as much as that would be very impressive, let's be honest, it doesn't make your league amazing by having, let's let's just for a second imagine they got all of them, Ronaldo, Modric, Benzema and Messi. That's four players. That doesn't make a league, does it? And they're all over 35, 36. So it, I, 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 it feels to me it's just a play to try and make their, to get one, to get the TV rights because people will want to see those players play. And of course, it also fits in as part of their wider plan to try and get the World Cup in a few years' time, doesn't it? So I've just and- had a check. Um, just on that, Fabrizio said that the total package that was offered to Messi is close to a billion in one year. Jesus Christ. Why would you not take it, though? You, I mean, again, you, 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Why you wouldn't you? No, one, no one's going to hold that against him. But um, to me, someone like Messi, he could do a couple of years in the MLS, still be a little bit competitive. It's a better league and he could probably still get a billion uh, two two years time in Saudi Arabia, personally, um, but it will be interesting to see where he goes. Obviously, there's still rumours about Barca trying to get him back. Um, don't think they can afford him. Being perfectly honest, um, I don't. Uh, he may, unless it's the emotional side of things, take a massive pay cut to go back. But he's as much as he's still a fantastic player. He's not what he was. Um, uh, just on that as well, just because it links on, uh, I didn't know if this played into to what Barca are doing, is Liverpool have actually been linked with uh, Jules Kunde. Had you seen this? So, no. Um, Jules Kunde, they spent £54 million on him last season from uh, Sevilla. Centre-back by trade, but they've been playing him at right-back, and I think he's not too happy about that. Um, and uh, I wondered whether that is part of them selling a few players to then fund up, uh, free up the funds to try and get Messi back. I could see it. Um, obviously, there's rumours about Rafinha, um, which seems a really strange move because he is properly coming to form in the last few uh, months of the season. Newcastle, yeah. is it? Because yeah, Newcastle and Arsenal, that. but Arsenal don't really need him when Martinelli, you know, Saka, Saka. I can't really see how he would fit in and necessarily improve that. I certainly could see him go into Newcastle if now that they're in the Champions League, that would make a, a sensible move. The only query I always wonder when you get a Brazilian, uh, you know, coming from Brazil and that climate, going to Barcelona and the lifestyle there, does he really want to go and live in the northeast and the freezing cold and the shitty weather? Is he going to be able to put up with that? I mean, he did it with Leeds. It's not quite northeast, but our weather isn't cracking as it is. Leeds is like a fucking Riviera, mate, compared to, uh, to to Newcastle. That is literally one of the worst places for weather in the whole country, unless you were going to the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. But um, yeah, uh, interesting to see how it pans out. Um, I, I, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, the only other bit of um, uh, transfer speculation that I had, which I thought was quite interesting and, and maybe shows, man, you might be 
accepting defeat to do with Kane or maybe moving on and deciding that he's not worth the money is they've been linked with two considerably younger players that you'd think would fit into a Ten Hag seems to be building that, you know, youthful team, uh, uh, you know, that he's going for. They are interested in Kolo Mawani of Frankfurt, who is a very, very good player. Um, 15 goals and 10 assists in the Bundesliga this season. Uh, and an incredible bit of business by Frankfurt because they got him on a free from Nantes last season. Uh, they're talking sort of 60, 70 mil, same sort of money maybe that you're talking about, Kane, but I think he's 23 or 24. So you're going to get far longer le- le- uh, uh, longevity out of him. And he certainly looks a player. The other one that they've been linked with, which I found quite strange because he hasn't really torn it up, is Hojand. Holland, I think, I can't pronounce his name for sure, currently plays young Danish striker for Atalanta. Atalanta only bought him this season from, um, it was Austria. I think it was Sturm Graz, but I could be wrong. Uh, bought him for 7 million. And um, he, I think he's ended up with something like about 10 goals in um, uh, Serie A. They are claiming him, as they always do with players like this, as the new Haaland. Uh, he is nowhere near that form at that age, but bags of potential and, again, fits more into that younger um, player that you're going to get a resale value on. He's more youthful. He's going to bring something. But um, it will be interesting to see whether they go for one of those two younger players or they just go for the, you you called it when we were discussing in the week, the kind of Van Persie analogy and just spend all the money on Kane because they know he's going to have three years maybe, where he's just going to bang them in for him. How can we have a new Haaland? Or well, we don't even really have a current Haaland. He's not even... He's at... 22. Yeah, I'm going to say. new Haaland. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's that's what he's referred to. Uh, I don't know if it's because he's Scandinavian and blonde and it comes to uh, to that alone. But um, yeah, the new Haaland is what he's been referred to as. Uh, I set you a task this week, Ian, to tell me three of the biggest downturn in careers um, in football or in football history. Have you got me three players? I have got you three players. I mean, d- downturn, maybe I, I, I'm, not real quite word? Sure, I'm not quite sure you, you, you referred it to that to me because the, just to give the audience the context, we were talking about Deli Alley, weren't we? And how yeah. his career has just dropped off the face of a cliff. Maybe I have incorrectly heard you or uh, I I have got three, but I'm not quite so sure they would be necessarily classed as downturns. They might just be classed as absolutely fucking horrendous signings. Um, So maybe I've misunderstood your question there. Uh, Ali, what's he going to do? Just while we're talking about him, he's, he's not going to be signed by... Fenerbahce, where he's out on loan. Um, Benfica? I'm not... Pardon? No, not Benfica. Besiktas? Besiktas, sorry. I think, is he out of contract at Spurs this year? So he's going to be on a free for somebody? Everton. Everton. Is it is Everton? That, is that, is that Everton? So I think he might be on a free. So someone will pick him up. And if you can probably get the right manager who... Th- th- there's still clearly a player there and he's still relatively young 
considering how, I mean, what's he, 27, 28 max? So, yeah, he's, he's not as old as you think he is. Um, you know, there's still a chance. Uh, again, would probably scream West Ham to me. Uh, they love buying dog shit players and paying them loads of money and watching them fail. So it would, wouldn't surprise me if he ended up somewhere like West Ham. But um, uh, so the, the, the three I've got for you uh, in terms of careers that have gone down the shitter and were quite uh, highly ranked. Uh, my number one, I think, is um, Ali Delhi which he played for Southampton. This is the guy, this is Ali going Dia. back, a, Ali Dia, uh, going back a, a long number of years here in terms of he was, uh, I think he'd been scouted by, saw, someone saw him for 10 minutes. He was George Weyer's cousin. He came on for a game uh, as a sub and was subbed off after 20 minutes. And I don't think he ever played for Southampton again. Was so, that against Leeds? Uh, I can't tell you, but he had an absolute shocker. I mean, he uh, he looked like his uh, his first touch was like a trampoline. Every time he touched it, the ball went about fucking 20 feet away. He was absolutely horrendous. And he must go down as one of the worst signings, as you say, whether or not his career went down in the way that you frame the question to me, maybe is wrong. But as an, a signing and one of the worst players ever to play in the Premier League, he's there. The only other one I've got, which ironically is also a Southampton player that I felt was worth a mention, was Orsic. So this is a Croatian guy, played in the World Cup, scored a lot of goals around Europe and in Croatia. Saints paid £6 million for him in the summer. And he actually played six minutes in the whole season. So costing them £1 million a minute for his career so far. He's the big Sam of football signings. Now, I, my, the actual question was that careers that had started well and then gone down. So I was thinking more your Hazards, your Coutinho's and Sanchez and stuff like that. But that's fine. It's fine. I mean, if we're talking about it like that, I mean, Sanchez seems to have had a late turnaround that now he's at uh, Marseille and scoring a few goals there. Coutinho would definitely be in there. Uh, and I've got no sympathy for that cunt because he was absolutely <laughs> outstanding at Liverpool. We pulled Barcelona's pants down by getting a ridiculous sum of money, which ultimately then totally reshaped our team because the money we got for him, we bought Alisson and Van Dijk, which are the mainstays of, of the team now. Hazard might be one of the greatest shouts because he was by far and away, by far and away is probably strong, uh, but arguably the best player in the Premier League for a number of seasons. And it has just gone absolutely to pop for him at Real, hasn't he? They paid over 100 mil for him, hardly starts a game, just looks woeful. But Hazard is a very, very good shout. He's the type of player, though, for me. I think he's confirmed he's going to let his contract expire. I think he has one more season left. He might be getting on a bit by then. He might be 32 or 33 but it, he is the type of player that he definitely still has it in him that if he went somewhere, he could re- rediscover that form. But there is something not quite right with him for that level of drop-off from what he was for Chelsea. Well, you saw it with Coutinho. So when Coutinho went back to the Premier League and joined Villa, that was seen as a major coup. And there were a period where he actually looked... It was really like, good to start yeah, with. he looked like he was coming back into form. 
Um, but then since then, massive drop off, and he's he's back in limbo again. My own uh, view on some of this is it those type of players as well, particularly when they're slightly mercurial and players like that. They are confidence players. They need to be playing game in, game out. Uh, Hazard, Coutinho is a, as prime examples. And if they don't, I feel that they lose that confidence, that magic, that um, ability to do the tricks that, 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 that they, they do. And I think that's a huge factor of it, that if they're not playing every week, that impacts ultimately on their form and they just don't have the same level of confidence like that. I mean, Coutinho for Liverpool was incredible still to this day is the I'm saying that I might be lying now because I don't know if Firmino has ever taken but he was the highest scoring Brazilian in the Premier League he has I think still the highest number of goals from outside the box I mean he had that 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 move where he would just on the left come in right foot curl it into the top corner he was a magician for us and I was devastated to see him go. But equally, the way that he funded the rest of the team and then how he dropped off at Barca. I mean, I, f- I feel like he never got a chance at Barca. We're just talking because Barca, even though he was clearly best as a as part of a front three, Barca saw him and purchased him as the as, as um, Xavi's replacement or Iniesta's, didn't they? And they tried to play him a, a little bit deeper back and it just didn't work out for him. So I had a little bit of sympathy for him, but... Yeah, you're right. His his career absolutely dropped off the face of a cliff. Uh, these are stats up until last year, so that it's, this might have changed quite considerably with William signing for Fulham. But Firmino was top uh, Brazilian goal scorer. Jesus was second. Richarlison was third, and Coutinho was fourth. William fifth, but only by uh, about eight goals. So this might have changed. As I said, I don't know who he scored this season for Fulham. Right. Interesting. But as I said, there was certainly a period where he was the highest scoring uh, Brazilian and almost every one of his goals was, he would, it, it, 50, 60% of his goals were amazing. He didn't score tappings. He won't, you know, they, they were all long range strikes. I bet he, I, I, I would, I would all, again, com- completely speaking out of my arse here, so I could be wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if something like 50% of his goals weren't from outside the box. He was a absolute magician for us. Um, and complemented that original and magical front three we had when we had Mane, Firmino and Salah. Uh, he, he he provided the ammunition for them, but equally it showed that when he left, there wasn't a particular drop-off in the performance of those three. They managed to, to, to carry on without him. So, um, but yeah, both of them are, Hazard in particular, I would say is, Hazard may have had a bigger drop off than Deli Ali. Got a nice Manchester derby to look forward to today. I bet you're very excited to watch that. Sadly, it's weird, isn't it? It used to be a certainly in, in, when I was a kid, it was one of the biggest days in in the season, FA Cup final day. You know, everyone wanted to win it. It was a, a big day. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be watching it later. Uh, I'm at a fam- family barbecue, but I will make sure that they stick the footy on. Um, not quite the prestige that it used to have, um, but um, got to be worth talking about. Obviously, Manchester derby. Um, every iota in my body is hoping for a City win and to see the scum lose. Um, I do not want to see them win. 
But I get a feeling it could be a more difficult match than maybe City think. I think Man U could turn up. You've got the derby element uh, of it involved as well. Man U will be looking to try and, particularly for Ten Hag, turn what's not been a, a bad season. They've qualified for uh, Champions League. So you know, it's a pretty successful season from what they've been doing. You turn that. But if you said to most Man U fans, I think at the start of the season, you qualify for the Champions League and win the FA Cup, they would be over the moon. I mean, by the time that most people listen to this anyway, we oh, it'll have already happened. So they'll be listening to this and thinking, what are they talking about? Man U having a making it a difficult game for Man City. They won seven nil, and Harlan got two hat tricks. Um, I no, hope I, so. <laughs> I, I do think that it'll definitely be their toughest game of the uh, the two, which seems weird to say, don't it? When it's the Champions League final is the other game, yeah. but I agree with you entirely on that. Um, the derby element of it has to be taken into account. It's always the it's a cup game ultimately. If it was in the league, you still take the derby element into account. But anything can happen in a cup. You can have you know one card that will change the entire complexity of it. Um, the issue that I've got is I think, despite me saying in last week's pod that I thought Ten Hag had done a good job, and I, I still do stick by that, and I think that Man United have turned a corner from where they were in the previous season. I don't think they're anywhere near the level that City are. And I think all it takes is for a quick start from City. And this is going to very quickly get ugly. And it'd be lovely to watch, don't get me wrong. Obviously, we don't have any um, foot in in either camp, but we're always going to back the team that Man United are playing against. Um, I, I can't imagine them getting anything out of this. Despite the fact it'll be a difficult game, I honestly think that City might win this by two or three goals. So give give us a we've got to do it then. Give us your prediction score wise. Four one. Not far off. I was going to say three one. Um, quick point I will mention. I just think cause it's worth breaking down. It'd be interesting to see the teams. One thing I always, as much as I gave Pep in my in our inaugural awards last year, my manager of the year, and has to go down as one of the best managers ever. He is now uh, occasionally known for making strange decisions in big games and you referred to it when we were discussing this before when he played in the previous uh, Champions League final Gundogan at defensive midfield so does he make a, a strange call like that there's two real key battles for me if we're breaking it down um, and I think it would be fair to say they are the two best defensive mids in the league if not potentially the world uh, Rodri and Casemiro that is a crucial battle for me and to see who comes out on top of that in terms of winning the ball, turning it over, providing it onto the players. That will be a a huge influence in the decision, in the outcome of the game, who wins that battle. Um, the other one for me is I'm not entirely sure because I pay no attention to the scum and their players, but I'm not sure. With Martinez, we talked about, I believe he's still injured. I believe Varane will likely be playing and he is a decent player on his day. Can Varane attempt to do any kind of job on Haaland? And if he can, there's no way, again, you hear this often that, you know, he's going to have him in his pocket. No one can put Haaland in his pocket. But if Varane has an outstanding game and, you know, the game of his season and manages to keep Haaland 
quieter than usual, then man, you could have a chance. Well, it's Lindelof is probably going to be partnering him, which is a disaster. Yeah, it doesn't fill me with um, confidence whatsoever. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I don't think anything else happens other than a City win, as I say, and I think it'll be quite comfortable in the end. Uh, I, I, personally, I could see, if again, if I had to call it, we're getting very specific here. I could see City coming out like a steam train and hitting them very hard, a bit like they did in the derby when they beat them 6-1, going 1-2-0 up, uh, you know, in sort of 20, 25 minutes, taking their foot off the gas a little bit and maybe Man U coming back into it. So call it 2-1 at half time. Suddenly gets a little bit nervy for City. And my suspicion would then be Pep goes to the bench, brings on some some extra legs uh, that, you know, Amarez, someone like that that can change it and then gets a final goal to seal it. So I think 3-1, I think it will be City relatively comfortably but I think there could be some nervy moments in there. I think we've just got to give a call out as well to Rashford because he's having an outstanding season. He's the key player for me, for Man U. If they can get the ball to him, given that we know City, if there is a uh, a weakness, um, it's probably at the back. And from what I read this morning, this is crazy if he's going to do it, but I appreciate the the loyalty the rumours are that Pep is going to play Ortega in goal instead of Edison, which would not be a very clever move if you ask me. He's confirmed that, yeah. So that is happening. That is it's definitely happens. Yeah. Silly move for me. I, I'm not. I'm all for that loyalty. He's played in the cups. He's done that. This is a final against your biggest rivals. You play the second best keeper in the world. Easy. First best keeper. Second best keeper after my man Allison, but that 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 could be that is one of those points again. If you look back at it, uh, and when we break this down next week, that could be a game changer. That that could that that could backfire heavily on Pep, and that could be again what we say: these strange decisions. Not for me ever. Let you, why on earth would you not play Edison in that game? It's crazy. Tank has been in the news again. Uh, he has actually been jailed for two months. Have you seen I this? Saw, did, I, I did read this because I saw that he was supposed to be, correct me if I'm wrong again, you've corrected me 18 times already, so I'm probably <laughs> wrong again, but um, he was under house arrest and supposed to be uh, in his manager's home. I heard he had been spending it in a £3.4 million penthouse, so he has been arrested. Doesn't sound like a boxer, does it? It was paid far too much money. Not in the slightest, but um, yeah. So does that scupper because he also, before the jailing, was calling out Haney to fight for him for the undisputed lightweight titles, which is a fight I would love to see, by the way. Um, But I don't know how how long has he been jailed for? I don't think it's a huge period. Two months. Uh, Yeah, it's two months that he was... um suspended for because he violated the 90-day home detention order after that hit-and-run incident. So it's not a, a, a horrendous amount of time. It probably won't factor into, um, you know, that uh, causing uh, issues with that fight. Uh, obviously, it puts him out of training unless he's going to do a Nicolas Cage in Conair and just be doing push-ups and chin-ups in his cell the whole time, getting ripped. But, um, yeah, I will be... Um, Interested to see if that fight comes out. He thinks he's your boy Tyson, doesn't 
go to prison, come out, and then get battered, hopefully. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, he's not Tyson, is he? Let's be fair. No, it's not Tyson. Yeah, it's but, a silly, um, silly thing to say. The only other one uh, I've got for boxing personally is, and this is ballsy and potentially risking brain damage, if we're being perfectly honest, but Callum Smith is going to uh, take on Bertabiev in Bertabiev's adopted com- uh, home country of Canada uh, to fight for the titles. And that feels like it could be a public execution. You don't like to write people off, do you, on these types of things, but I can't help but agree. I think that the only route to victory for him is by knocking him out because I, I can't imagine him outpointing him. And <laughs> you try and knock Bert Biev out. There's, there's a reason that no one else has done it before. Well, we've talked about it before in terms of the home boxing and the, the corrupt nature there. Bert Biev, as I say, is, is uh, Canada's his adopted home. So he's not going to lose a decision. And Bert Biev, we talked about it before, but he's the only active fighter with a 100% KO record. I do not see that changing. I give full props to Callum Smith for taking that fight on because there's not many people that would want to go there and take that on, but don't give him a, a snowball's chance in hell, if I'm honest. No, unfortunately not. I'd, I'd like Helm Smith, but not in this fight, <laughs> to be honest. It, it seems a pretty cut and dry result. Obviously, we'll see, and shocks happen in boxing, and we've seen bigger shocks than this happen before, but I just can't see it. Yeah, no, no, I think uh, I'm not entirely sure when that is, by the way. I haven't gotten that on my notes, how far away in the future that is, but definitely one uh, to be watching and keeping an eye on. But yeah, I'd love I'd love to see the, the odds on Berta Biev. I would have thought he'd be like 20 to 1 on or something like that. Ridiculous. Um, but um, interesting fight nonetheless. Yeah, it's, it's not till August, not till the back end of August. I think it's August 20th, but I would think Berta Biev is... Uh... A heavy favourite on that. But yeah, a good place to leave it, I believe. Um, Unless you've got anything else. Nothing else for boxing for me. Um, We'll see how it pans out on the uh, the cup final later today. And we'll uh, we'll catch up with that result next week. But otherwise, uh, any plans for the weekend for you? None. I'm quite looking forward to a relaxed weekend, to be honest. I've got a few beers in, a few brew dogs. Sit in the summer house, chill out in the sun, do absolutely nothing. So, just out of curiosity, how are you going to chill out in the sun in the summer house, which is in the shade? Open door. Open door. <laughs> Certain times uh, of day when the sun comes through. I have a family barbecue for the missus, so we will be driving over there. Uh, I believe we. I did not want to have to drive, if that is the case, and get on the beers. So, I believe I am staying in a caravan in the garden this evening. So, uh, Tyson Fury-esque, <laughs> fucking cooking headshots over the barbecue. But... Um, uh, yeah, so I will probably have a screaming hangover tomorrow, made worse by sitting in the sun, tops off, guns out, I would have thought. I'm sure the ladies will love it. Making the sisters moist, mate. That's the plan. On that note, <laughs> thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. Bye.